0: Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. This podcast is a series of conversations with educators, academics and lifelong learners to try and deconstruct some of the stereotypes around education. My objective is to focus on the passion and humanity within teachers and educators and provide a platform for the myriad of voices within the education system. If you'd like to know more about me, please head to my Instagram page at educatinglaura.com. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with me today. Can you believe that we are in week seven? Week seven. Where has the term gone? It's only 10 weeks this whole term. So it's just moving so, so quickly. And I was feeling as though I've been waiting for this chaos and hecticness to start because you kind of know that as term one starts, it's kind of easy, but you know that it's going to get tough. And there's only so much you can do to prepare because it's when the marking comes in, when all the assessment starts to flow in, that's when things get really challenging because you've got to mark, you've got to plan, you're teaching full time or as many classes as you are and it really impacts your energy levels and I feel like we're at that time now. I've just written some midterm reports to support parents in whether they're going to get a parent-teacher interview or not and that's coming up in the next few weeks So it is real, yeah, just full-on teacher time right now. I did release a bonus episode last week all around a particular concept and content that I felt I needed more support in. So I've got some really great feedback on that. It's a bonus episode with Ben from the English Lab. And I've actually had a lot of my colleagues stop and talk to me about ultimately being quite validated by it, which I think is the best. And some people have some takeaways. I've had some people contact me through Instagram saying that, It's allowed them to sort of zero in their focus in terms of what they want to ensure they're covering, which is also really good. So, if you haven't listened to that and you're a VCE teacher or you know someone in VCE, make sure you send that around to people because it's a really just a helpful episode. Now, this episode is with Renee Mountford, and if you haven't found her on Instagram, she is at Miss Mountford's moment. So, I'll make sure I have that in the show notes for you. And you should check her out because she is the greatest cheerleader of all the teachers. She elevates everybody else and she is spreading some really important messages around body positivity and being yourself and harnessing who you are and not conforming. And I think that all of those things are really important to be seeing on your feed, really, and to be engaging with. And so I think that she's just a really bright light on the Teachergram community. She does talk about some things that are assumed understanding. So the first one is the fact that she is a cover girl on the Wine with Teacher magazine run by Kerry from our Creative Classroom. So if you don't know anything about Wine with Teacher or you don't know who Kerry is from our Creative Classroom, I encourage you to check those two Instagram pages out because... Carrie is doing some really good things for teachers around well-being and supporting teacher voice through the magazine and just through her Instagram page as well. So I encourage you to check that out. And it was such a privilege to have Renee on. She actually reached out to me and asked to come on after listening to Nathan Vandermon's episode, which again is a fantastic episode. And so I was really humbled because she has done the Mind with Teacher podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, and. I don't know, I think I was maybe a bit intimidated to reach out to her because I thought, well, she's already getting so much notoriety from Kerry and it was just really lovely to know that she was happy to sort of spread her message beyond that. And I think that that's something that I'm really appreciating with the online community that there are so many platforms in which to spread your message and I'm happy to be one of them. I'm really proud to be one of them actually. The other thing that I wanted to acknowledge too is the fact that she is very passionate around Indigenous education and supporting the truth around our Australian history. And she does ask me about things that I'm doing and I mentioned curriculum that is currently in at my school and I do not want to take credit for that because the choices to embed a lot of the Indigenous curriculum that we are currently studying was not my choice. I'm really excited about it but it was done prior to me coming into the school. So not so much that it's not my choice, like I love it, but I can't take credit for it. It was other teachers' work and they were the ones pushing for much more Indigenous curriculum. So love it, but definitely cannot take credit for it. Renee is also very vulnerable about childhood traumas and how that has informed her teaching. And I've tried to, I guess, normalise a lot of those issues because I think that, they're important and so much of what we experience I think really informs the adults that we become and also the advocates that we become because when we experience something it means that we have just that much more credibility in talking about those things and in supporting people that are going through the same things. so I'm really excited that she is so open so vulnerable and so passionate around education So I'm sure that you'll love this episode. Here's Renee. Hello, Renee. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm awesome, Laura. How are you doing? I know it's lockdown 3.0.
1: You've moved past that.
0: Yes, thank goodness. And I realized how anxious I was because in lockdowns one and two last year in Melbourne, The goalposts were constantly changing and so when we went into lockdown for five days, I didn't realise how much I didn't trust that it would only be five days. Last time it
1: went from days to months. So I understand your Mm scepticism. Totally. Yeah.
0: I would love to give you an opportunity to begin the podcast in a way that's incredibly important to you. If I can hand you the mic.
1: Thank you. I always really love to start my Mondays with an acknowledgement of country. I try to embed it in my morning's routine for the role as well, but I just wanted to start this podcast with you acknowledging the traditional customs of the land on which we're speaking on today. It's also the land that I work and live in, and that's Yung country. And I'd also like to pay my respects to elders, past, present, emerging, and also extend that to any Indigenous people listening to this podcast and I'd also just like to acknowledge NADOC week is coming up. I know in term two, I love the theme and I like to embed it throughout my teaching and it's caring for country this year. So I love looking after country and I always embed that with my kids. And yeah, I just wanted to know, do you know what country you're on and do you, how do you care for country?
0: Yes. So I'm on Bunurong land. And as somebody slightly older than you, Renee, a lot of my own Australian history was actually devoid of much of Australian, I'm sorry, Aboriginal culture. And so I am trying to get a couple of Indigenous individuals onto the podcast to sort of dispel some of those, you know, misconceptions and ignorant belief systems that have certainly been embedded in me in my growing up that I want to sort of move away from and I love the fact that at school currently too we're trying to encourage much more Indigenous literature so we've just got as part of our comparative so we were doing always doing um, American you know civil rights stuff so we were doing remember the titans and now we're doing comparative between that and freedom ride which I think is really important and I can see so much more rich Indigenous language like poetry. At the moment, the outdoor ed department are uh, getting an Indigenous artist to come in and they've got a whole outdoor area because I do outdoor education. Yay! And, yeah, Indigenous art into the school and I just think much more awareness even for myself and for kids to see me learning with them. I think I'm absolutely not an expert and I will put my hand up to that, but I'm really, really permitted to growing and learning as much as I can. That's awesome, especially making those connections. Because I'm at a
1: school where I'm not from that area, <laughs> I am literally an hour away. So I don't have those connections and I've had to really foster that. So by having those con- connections, people are actually coming in and doing those things at your school is really important and to keep those partnerships going. It takes a lot of time, a lot of trust, and I totally get that because we have a dark history in Australia and I was like you two. I had no idea. I was so naive in primary school, even in high school. It really wasn't until uni my, I don't know if I can say this, but like I was woke. I was just like, I, Mm -hmm. I had done a lot of bad misconceptions. I didn't ask enough questions. I just kind of I didn't know what I didn't know. And when Mm. I found out, I was really, like, appalled. Mm. And, yeah, that's kind of where my passion started because I found so many connections with their culture. And I was like, I'm like that too. I love this. I love, you know, so many things that I can go on about, teamwork, honesty, you know respect is such a big thing in my class and as a human and through my family and just having those connections to that culture I was like oh my god I need to do better so I totally get that we're all on a learning Mm. journey we definitely have improved I think since our teachers have taught us but Mm. I'm hoping it keeps going in a, a good direction and we keep making those
0: connections and fostering and looking after country And do you feel it was that kind of realization that there was a whole element of your history and understanding about your country that you thought I should have known this earlier? So is that something that kind of spurred on the commitment to you into bringing that into your classroom for your students, so they didn't have that time where they didn't know? Yeah,
1: I was I was actually quite frustrated that I got a glossy version of our history, or bells didn't ring that it was such a horrible mistreatment of the Torres Strait Islander cultures is just as much as Aboriginal cultures. When I start to really talk about it with my kids, they understand it and I really try to emphasise, I didn't get taught this. This is not the truth I knew. This is what I now know from the Indigenous tutors and the lecturers and the mentors I've had in my life. And I want to make sure I write those wrongs and I make sure you actually know the truth and make your own decision but I need to give you the honesty that I wish I had.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about you as a student, Renee. Oh, speaking How of- How <laughs> were you as a student?
1: <laughs> oh, little, little Renee. My parents were always about sport and I loved dancing. I loved netball. I wish I was into books more, but we prioritized those type of team sports and reading has come since then. But as a student, I was I was a teacher's pet. I loved I loved learning, I loved my teachers. I just loved everything. I wanted to sit in those chairs one day, those comfy teacher chairs. Yeah. Yeah, I loved high yep. school, but I didn't love lots of things as well. Mainly I had a lot of troubles in my primary school days and then it moved into my dancing and then it moved into high school and that was a lot of bullying. I was on the Wine with Teacher podcast and I kind of glossed over it only because it strikes a nerve still. Yeah. I recently had to deal with a couple of well, an incident really at my school, and it really mm. triggered me, even before this podcast, when you said, Do you mind speaking about it? Yeah. I was like talked to me last Thursday and I was like had to walk away a couple of times from my AP, not because of her, but because we kept on talking about it, and I was literally one of my other friends, she could see I was getting really triggered just because the situation that was happening was something that happened to me. And what the teacher was saying was exactly what I was going through that she was not doing for these students. So, yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, man, why do we always come back to those heavy, raw emotions that I think sometimes we think we're past? Yeah. (laughs) And because I haven't really talked about it until – you know, I guess last year and this year. And also teaching the grade that where I was affected, where it started in year five. Grade five, yes. Yeah. So this is stage three. Is that right? Like stage three in New South Wales. Yeah, stage three, I understand. it's, it's all different in each state and territory. For New South Wales, stage three is year five mm-hmm. and six. And we have composite classes. I I enjoy composite classes. I just there's so many pros yeah. for it. There are cons, but anyway. We won't get into that right now, but yeah, year five. Year five, it started with cattiness with the girls. And I thought I had friends and they were not my friends. And mm. and then it became the parents got involved and my mum, like she she's like a defender. She yeah. I don't know, I guess most mums are, but she was just like ready. She was on a mission as soon as yeah. she saw me crying, coming to the car one day. And she just, like, stormed back into school. She's like, close the doors, don't get out. And I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah. just bawling. Yes. The parent appro- approached me about a bullying thing, thinking I was bullying her daughter when it was actually the other way around, oh. um, which really yeah. affected me because she then got a citizenship award in Year 6 and I was just, like, in assembly, like, I'm about oh, to cry.
0: Like, it's tough. So, yeah, so... It must be the lack of justice and truth in that situation and feeling as though you are so misrepresented in that moment. Yeah. And as a kid, that's very hard to rectify, I think. Looking back at it now, uh, I think it
1: came down to, no offence to male teachers, but if you're not a woman, you sometimes don't really get the whole, or a girl, you don't get the whole picture. It was a male teacher that had. He was awesome. I really loved him, but it wasn't until I had a female teacher in year six and at the end of year five that took over from him that the light bulbs went on on those teachers' mm. minds that, oh, it's actually not to do with Renee, it's to do with X, Y, Z. And mm. it, that, was, that was my saving grace in year six and I was split from those girls. And yeah, it ended up being something that they saw what was going on deeper than what I guess the male glance was, but also not hearing both sides of the story, not bringing it in. It was two against one. It was what I said against those two. And, and it, yeah, it kind of felt like when that was happening at school, I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening again, but not me. And I'm like, it needs to be worked out, but it was the best thing that happened at school it was rectified. My principal's brought in. We wrote a contract up with all, all parties involved. I was there. We've been recently checking in and it's been really good. There's been some hard truths that some of the, the students have been learning. And, yeah, I'm mm. I'm I'm trying to take the emotion out of it. And I, I said that to my AP. I have just said I don't know what to do when I'm getting emotionally involved. So I'm just going to take mm-hmm. a step back and then let me know where to go from here.
0: My belief, and it's come later in life, you know, I sound like I'm an 80, but look, you know what I mean, like with some experience, I believe that the, the things that we emotionally connect to allow us to be better advocates for those things. And so I mm. think, Renee, without you having experienced that perhaps this situation would never be seen from both sides, perhaps you would never have yeah. pushed and fought for something that allowed for clarity and truth to come out and to actually support every side because I tend to see too that bullies are victims in their own ways too and we often don't get to that place either. Mm. And I talked about in, I think it was my first podcast of this year, I talked about having a similar situation in grade four, so it's stage two for you, and I was told that I wasn't allowed to play with this group of girls who I was hanging out with for three days. Mm. And I believe that they're my friends, same sort of thing. And I did what I was told for three days. And I believe that that's was I don't, I don't even know what I thought. I think I was I was younger too. So I'm not quite sure if I understood the way the social element really worked. But I was a very passive kid. And I was like, okay, yep, no problem. So for three days I played by myself. I didn't even ask to hang out with anybody else because I was like, yep, okay, Aww. this is what I'm doing for three days. And the fourth day I went back. To play with them and this girl said to me no another day you're not coming to play with us again and i kicked her because i was just i Frustrated. did everything you said I, I don't know what what do you mean well of course how does that make me look right i yeah. physically accosted this girl And so I look like the bully. She was ultimately being a bully, but the backstory to her was that her parents are going through a breakup that I didn't know about. Mm. So there were so many layers to that situation. And I had, it just so happened I was the same as you, I connected to my grade four teacher because she actually moved into my street and saw me playing with the other kids and realised that how I was at school Mm. was not how I was at home. And it was that belief and understanding in that person really seeing me that shifted everything. So, wow, that is actually really cool that that happened to you. So,
1: look at that. Yeah. yeah. What is this? They happen through us, they don't happen to us, they happen through us. Yeah. So, oh, look, looking back for sure, horrible mm-hmm. time, but it made me the person I am today and the stuff that I really push in my class you know about being kind mm. speaking with kindness if that's unkind think harder i don't like the phrase if you can't say something nice don't say something else yes. al- at all i like to say if you can't say something nice think harder mm. because there's always something mm. and i think if people also don't realize like you're saying there's there's bigger things going on in their world it's usually a projection yeah. of what's going on either at home or what they're going through. It's definitely happened. I've definitely seen it with other students I've taught as well, you know, understanding why that particular student is doing XYZ to few, you know, students. And it just makes sense. But I, when it's, yeah, like a constant, something needs to be addressed. And yeah, I'm a very passionate. I tell that to my kids. I'd be very vulnerable with them. I have in the past read my article to them. I haven't yet this year. I Haven't found the moment where I feel like you guys need to listen to this mm-hmm. because I think at the start of the term, I think we're still getting to know each other. I don't yeah. want to. I want them to understand boundaries with me because they've half of them have t- um, I've taught before. Okay. So they're like, oh, I found this Mountford." I'm like, I get that. Totally, but there's a time and a place and I need to understand that I'm here to teach you, I'm your teacher, I will nurture you. So we're we're working out the, the line at the moment. So I will show them... Yeah, my article and, and read it to them because they have seen it <laughs> when they've walked past the staff room, it's like blown up on this on the fridge. One of the staff members popped it up, yeah. So they're always
0: wondering why I'm on the fridge. Um, oh, why you're a cover girl, <laughs> why let's, let's not it's, it's not just an article that's in a fridge, uh, are, like, on the cover, Renee. Just, oh, yeah,
1: just that cover. Nah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can, I can get a little bit like, oh, it's just a little cover, like a bit humble, but, um, yeah, big deal, big deal, yeah, especially from what I'm talking about and what we're, yeah, what we've been talking about regarding bullying and, yeah. you know, loving, you know, who I am through what I was bullied about, I, yeah, come like full circle, it's really nice.
0: Can I ask, what was it that you were bullied for? Was it physical appearance? Because I know that that's something that is very important to you to really harness and take control and take ownership over what you look like. Was that something that was a target for you or were there other things?
1: Yeah, so five six was about girls, you <laughs> know, just being catty and all that. It wasn't until high school, you know, we are uh, going into puberty and all that. I was always really subconscious of my body in particular ways when you just are uh, and but it was actually a group of boys ah. there's about three of them they would be in my class quite often and they would really put me down a lot about my nose and what? my legs and they are definitely features I've always found to be my flaw and I know now it's not it's it's part of me and you know I I love them myself for yes. them but yeah at the time I, I you can't hide you can't hide it, you can't put makeup over yes. it. You know, like boys are just mean yeah. sometimes yeah. and the worst thing about it was my mom, again, I love her but she stepped on people's toes again and called one of the parents because she knew one of the parents, and it was worse. Yeah, And I didn't even tell – I didn't even know she was going to do yes. that. So then they were like, go run and tell your mom." And I'm like, oh. Oh, that was, oh, this is great. So I had to just get, like, thick skin about it and whatever. And, yeah, now I own my body. And, yeah, but at the time I was definitely like <laughs> – I I can't wait till the next year where I'm not in their classes because they're dumb and you know you know when it's like seven eight where you are working out grades and stuff and and people are changing yeah. and then subjects and stuff so by the end you know they were
0: all dropped out in year ten anyway again I think the only people really that do that and put somebody else down is somebody that needs to elevate themselves because there's some sort of insecurity mm. themselves I mean again at fourteen and thirteen it it's very to hard to have those conversations. And to really step back and analyse the situation, it's very hard. But, you know, for me, carrying that shame of of feeling like I was a victim to being bullied, what did that say? And I had that real shame of what did that mean about me? Mm. If I was picked on, why was it me? What was wrong about me? And Mm. maybe I was just an easier target because I was so passive. I I think I was easy because I reacted. I reacted.
1: I always reacted because I wanted to defend myself and just made it worse. They loved it. And it took maturity for me to go, okay, Renee, you need to stop giving them fuel to their fire. (laughs) Like I just had to just go, right, okay, okay, you're right. Yeah, but I was definitely, I was taking the bait. Yes. It just took time and maturity, I think, for me to go, that's not the best strategy here. (laughs) I think maybe even if they gave me a range of strategies, like we had posters in our class, there's 12 strategies Mm. about how to deal with certain situations or maybe like getting it younger, working out how to work out those situations before it became a mountain of things. That's why I kind of like to prepare my, when I was teaching stage two, I would go, right, so what have you done? What strategies have you used? Because you can't just always come to me. I can't fight your battles. And I always try to say that to them, like, we don't get stronger by me stepping in all the time. You need to build your capacity and your bravery and your resilience regarding these things. And then I kind of give them perspective. I'm like, Baba could be jealous of you, or maybe you need to watch what tone you're using, or be a bit more self-aware of your own actions. And I kind of like to bring it down where they're younger before it elevates to high school. So maybe yeah. that would have been good. Yeah. Maybe
0: fostering those strategies earlier. I think that's a really great point. I think that ultimately the real crux of primary education is to have that really good understanding of literacy and numeracy. But the less academic things to me are almost more important. Like, as you said, ability to self-regulate, ability to have self-awareness, to reflect on your behaviour, to work out perhaps when you get triggered how to Mm. calm yourself down in those situations, to ask for support in, look, this is how I'm feeling, I'm not comfortable with it, and create, as you say, like a contract with an educator. Mm. Having those really self-aware conversations I think in a way put them in better stead because the numeracy and literacy that's we can we can kind of work on that but mm. those sorts of yeah personal moral and yeah self-aware strategies I think are really really important at primary school Oh majorly that's like one of the reasons why
1: I wanted to become a primary teacher is I had so many things I had learned in my life and I was like I really need to impart this knowledge and this you know, what I learned in my my time to these kids because it's not about the ac- academic side. Like you just said, it's so much more and teachers are so much more than what they were back in the day. They were not mm. as, well, I well, to me, I don't feel like they were as nurturing and really got to the crux of your issues or what's going on. They were kind of like, you'll be right, sorted it out, mm. bare minimum stuff. From what my memory is, yeah, they knew what I did on weekends. I did some sport, blah blah blah. So it was, but they didn't really prepare me with some of the skills I and, and strategies I really love teaching in my class. Like we always talk about emotional um, regulation. I like to use calm down tools or focus tools because there's so much. I don't know. I feel like kids, they're just always wanting to move. They're just a mm. bit basic word is fidgety but it's it's way more than that yeah as well as knowing what strategies they can use when they don't know how to ask for help that's a big one in my class is a bit of a shame bit of shame and a bit of embarrassment when they're unsure about things so we kind of bring out non-verbal cues okay either that or like cards so I try to use variations of strategies so We've also goal set for the term now with all my kids. I give them a – well, I don't give them. We say let's do an English, maths and personal goal. And a personal goal is usually Mm -hmm. a value in our class that I feel like they need to work on. We usually come to the same point and it's usually if it's to do with bravery, it's like use variations of ways to ask for help. And that's become one of my most popular resources in class at the moment. Mm -hmm. So building on that, you know, that can be applied to anything. But, yeah, I think by setting up that like such a, a safe environment where they can try these different things, they know that they can come to me about anything I feel is what I like to how to set up my class, know that everyone's on their own learning journey everyone comes in at different points and that's okay but we need to all be growing in some form and i usually put, get them to yeah like opt into their learning are you opting in or are you opting out because if you're opting out you need to figure out how you're going to opt back in or or tell me the reason do you need time out let's figure out what what the barrier is here because well-being i always address well-being before they can learn anything if they're mm. heightened got to figure out why
0: did you learn all of these sorts of things at university, or is this much no. more of a <laughs> definitely not? Yeah, okay. So where are you? <laughs> uh, where are I just you, you
1: creating these things from. Yeah, look, uni is an interesting one. Loved it for its mm. practical. Definitely, I was one of the lucky ones where we got to have prac every year. In our first year, definitely, mm-hmm. our second, third and our internship year at my uni, I did a yeah. four-year degree and best thing, I didn't just start there yeah. though, I was a mature age so I did a couple of things beforehand which I wrote in my little interview, my my um, magazine article but yeah, pretty much when I got into my degree of my dreams, it was not until I went on to prac that I saw things happening in the classroom that I thought, oh, that would pre- be pretty good. And like, you know, the I saw like the zones of regulation. I did hear about yeah the zone of proximal development with like Vygotsky, but like I've never really used that. That's, that's okay. like gradual release stuff that no one really talks about. I haven't talked about that in like six years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, a lot of things I've learnt. Through yeah my prac, but I also feel like I've learned so much from the teacher gram. I Mm. have so many things in my collections under all different categories. One of them is self regulation. One of them is about behavior management. One of them's about, or they have all the KLA's as well. But I learned so much just from you know seeing what other teachers do in their classrooms, and I kind of picked up on a few things you know, found businesses that have certain things like the calm down kit that I've yes. really been I will link them in the show notes. Yeah. That's amazing. In the calm classrooms. Yeah. Get onto that. That's been really yes. helpful in my class. I set that up every year. It's been a big deal, especially with my boys. I'm quite boy heavy this year and a lot of them it's not that they don't know how to self regulate. They they just they no, they don't. <laughs> they don't. They like yeah. to just walk around. They don't know what they're doing. As so I say, I've got to give it a name. I was like, choose a strategy, choose a tool, and then let's go.
0: But, yeah, like I said, yeah. It's so funny that you say that yeah. only because when I came back, I came back term four because the staff member had to go on extended leave, so I was kind of pulled back in a little bit before I was expecting to. Yeah. And I had, yeah. I think, a couple of weeks of remote learning still and then back in the classroom with the sevens first and the tens were a bit later. And the sevens, I talk about this on the podcast at some point, could not self-regulate. Mm. Could not. They came into a room at the start of the day and the boys were fidgeting. They were yeah. elbowing each other. They were each other. They were standing up. And they weren't even it was they weren't rude. They'd say, Oh, I'm so sorry. And they'd sit back down. They literally could not sit still in a in a seat. And I chatted to her name's Meg Thompson. She's an American behavior consultant. I chatted to her. I said, What do I do? And she said, Give them some options, Mm. you know, because I've literally never had this in class before at high school. Most of the time they're pretty good. I only have them for 45 minutes to an hour and a half at a time. So in that time, it's okay. Mm. They couldn't do it. So I had to get them up sprinting first thing. And a couple of girls didn't want to do it and that was fine. And they had a chat and sort of debriefed about how they'd gone in remote learning and the rest of them ran around the oval like I've never seen it they but they needed to the energy had to move out of their bodies otherwise they could not sit still and that was a really huge learning curve for me the assumption that if you're in a classroom you just sit because I'd never really had that before and there's so much that we have to do now with especially in Melbourne coming off this huge remote learning i mean 6 months of their year was remote mm. They need so much support, and I know that the government are bringing in huge tutoring programs to help with the academia. But as you say, nothing is going to happen unless those kids feel nurtured and comfortable and looked after in terms of their mental health and their well-being. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. If I I have a couple of students that do actually have ADHD and they are medicated, but I can't be saying to every fidgeter that that's that's their solution because you know it does calm those ones down but for medical reasons but I have a class and funny that you say they're going to be running I have been using Jamboard it's like on G Suite and I just get them to write a little post-it note reflection of the week on Friday and a lot of them be like Miss Mathers, awesome because we do so much sport and I'm like Yeah, because you guys need it. Like I'm just giving them what I feel like they're going to need for them to calm down. Like, So after second break, I know they don't get as much much time as first break, so I know that fitness is straight up what we do to get them back into the zone. We also do brain break at 10am to get them back into the zone and it's usually like an exercise ball. Have you seen them like at Kmart? It's like a little dice and they roll it, and yeah. a couple of my kids are like, "All right, we've got to do twenty push-ups." And I'm like, "Sweet, you guys go for it." And it really yeah. gets them, you know, going. And then they're like, so much more better, uh, so much more chill, and and better at regulating. Some of them have to stand, so I'm kind of thinking about bringing in like stand-up desks again. Um, yeah, just being aware. It doesn't mean that I'm letting them do whatever they want. I'm just responding as to what their needs are at that time. And I found like, I don't know how to say it, but I know uh, a colleague of mine recently, she had to drop off some notes to the stage three classes and she was like, yours was really settled, like really settled compared. And I was like, wow, because at the time I would have thought that would have been completely Well, not that, but they all had their tools and I'm thinking, or maybe they're thinking that it looks like they're not doing much or whatever, but they were like just in the zone with their things and just had the brain break and you can just feel the atmosphere of the classroom. They were just chill and settled and focused. And there's got to be something to say that that stuff has to help them.
0: 100%. It does. Yeah. And I think too, we need to move away from this idea of what gl- good learning looks like. Mm. You know, the idea that kids sitting there all doing yeah. the same work. Same way. Mm. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it looks yeah. chaotic for a little mm. while. That's okay. You know, and I had this conversation with the year sevens I taught last year, the ones that I had to work really hard with because they really, really struggled when they came back. And I was doing ancient China and I asked them what they knew about ancient China and honestly the comments were really Mm. really ignorant about China and Chinese culture and so I thought what I would like to do they'd done a pretty big assessment task before I got there I said I just want to make you a bit more Mm. worldly and a little bit more kind and understanding of the different culture because if you don't know necessarily all about the dynasties at least if you understand about Chinese culture maybe that will allow you to have a bit more empathy so i asked them to look into all the things that they didn't know so things that they and that they wanted to know so they each had different topics to look into and those classes were chaos because they were all looking at different things they all wanted to do it in different ways i said they had to present back to the class some of them did treasure hunts around the school where they had different things they had to find with different clothes. Oh, so cool. Yeah, some of them did cahoots because they all love a cahoot. Mm-hmm. Um, some created like these 3D models that they talked about that people could sort of look at. And I said to them once, because I was actually getting really overwhelmed because so much noise, I said, guys, I don't know if anything's really happening here. And one of them said to me, this is the most work I've done all year because you're making me do it. You're making it about what I want to do. But it it really triggered me because I was walking around this loud, rambunctious room where if you'd walked in, it would have looked in a way like I didn't have control of it because everyone was off doing mm. their own things. And when I had conversations individually with them, I realized that they were on task and they were actually excited, which was why there was so much noise, which is why they're out of their seats, which is why they were riding on a whiteboard yeah. or asking for me to bring things in. And it took me a beat to get to that place. And I was like, I have to let this be like this right now, you know? Mm. I can't be the big control in this room right now because this is how it needs to be for them. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. You can't
1: say that a quiet classroom is like a learning classroom all to their needs for sure.
0: What year was that? Seven. So yeah. Let Seven. Them yeah, oh, they can yeah. be
1: quite that can be quite rowdy. And even mm. like, you know. I've heard nine and tens is, you know, the disengage you. So that's why you gotta bring in their interest and relate to the world. So yeah, you yeah, you just need to be responsive. I think sometimes noise is not a problem for me, but I'm like, let's just
0: take it outside
1: because I <laughs> know you just need to let it out.
0: So I know through your Instagram that you are I think you were during remote learning part of like the running club on Teachergram. You mentioned before about yeah. saving all of the things to support you with your resources and the wellness communities and the businesses you can support to help your kids regulate. Tell me about the best part of TeacherGram and also the challenging part of TeacherGram, if there is any.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: That's uh, that's a tough
1: one because majority of the time I love the TeacherGram. Mm-hmm. I would say the friends that I've made from it, and I've actually done a few teacher meets now, as in, not just like the Sydney one, but personally. I've met Kerry a couple of times now. I've met Sarah, um, that funny teacher. I've met Elle from Teaching in Tea Spills or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, a few, a few people. Uh, Yeah, I think it's the community. I love it. I'm just, oh, they're just my people. And I feel like just like you are one of my people, just like-minded Before teaching, I didn't have any teacher friends. I didn't have anyone to relate to apart from my uni friends. So I just find like if my dad's like, get off your phone, which he does sometimes, I'm like, (laughs) dad, you don't understand. I'm actually talking to my friends here. It's not just Instagram. It's actually my communication device. You're watching a video. I'm talking to my friends. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes people don't understand sometimes the teacher gram world a lot of my friends, I've introduced them to it and they just love it. They think it's the coolest thing and they can't believe how many thousand followers lots of my friends have and all that. And it's just such a, a crazy place if you don't know teaching. So that's definitely the like advantages and yeah, all the amazing people that I've met, like the teaching tools is just, and Holly Sanders are just the most generous people that I've also met in the same with Hayley. I don't really collaborate. Much with businesses I don't find practical in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Or like Mrs. Mrs. Eggers' class, I think you know her teaching planner is another thing. But there's yeah, I don't buy into too many things unless I find it relevant. Same with Kerry when she makes all her amazing resources, I'm like first on it because I know she's done her research. Yeah. But if we had to go on the negative front, I think mm-hmm. it was. I think for me, sometimes I can get carried away and hours will go and I've been on my phone Okay, and I'm like, what have I done? So sometimes it can be a bit of a wormhole moment. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the other part, which I kind of checked myself this year, being a new stage and all not. Teaching stage okay. three before, I've been like, okay, there was that big, you would have seen it too. There was like a big conversation regarding people's classrooms and the aesthetics and the practicality and people finding it te- the teacher ground very overwhelming. Yeah. And the Outback teacher, Rihanna, another friend of mine, she kind of started that conversation. She's what I love about her is she's so outspoken and just says it how it is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I can't, I, I'm, I connect to this. And Obviously, so many more people did too. Yeah.
0: Did did you see that? I saw it and it's so funny because it was certainly much more funnelled towards the uh, primary primary space. Yeah. I actually hadn't considered how much time a primary school teacher must spend in their holidays to set up their room because I just float around from space to space. So there's this part of me that's really jealous of the fact that you have the ability to set up a space that is yours That creates you know autonomy over it and also is practical and you would then create lessons that work within your space so i love because literally year seven signs i'm not in the same room and one of them's not even a sign mm. i'm all over the place and often when i was chatting was to tough. nathan Vandermont on his conversation too he says love him yeah he's we will put all he of his instagram <laughs> handles in the show notes so people can go and follow all these incredible educators <laughs> If you're not. Sorry, already. Laura, you're gonna have lots of lots of <laughs> No, that's good, it's good to type up. But <laughs> uh, he was saying in secondary, people don't take ownership over the space. Why would I put that kid's work up in that space? I don't know if I'm gonna be in there next term. And so yeah. I can see that real beautiful part of having ownership over a space, but I'd never really considered A, the work, but B, the cost of having some of those things, I'd never considered it. You don't even want to know how
1: much money I spent in my first year of teaching. That's like one hot tip I'd give any grad teacher or pre-service teacher is do not buy any furniture from IKEA yet. (laughs) I went ham on it. I came back from overseas, I did like a five-week holiday and I was pumped and mum picked me up from the airport and she was like do you want to go to Ikea because we already had that planned and I was like yeah let's go because I've already I already sold my classroom before school broke out and I was just really had all these things in my head from Instagram that I wanted to do and replicate and I didn't even think maybe the school would pay for that yes. maybe the school maybe don't buy it yourself because that's out of your own pocket. So, and that was the whole thing that I kind of, it struck a, a, how do you say it? Struck, struck a chord with me. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I don't know. Take your time, <laughs> And I was like, yep, I need to stop spending so much money and I need to focus on what the kids need. I will say though, Laura, I'm very guilty. The last holidays, because it was a new classroom, I mean yeah. classes for the first time in two years, I was on a new stage. I had so much stuff to cull that I didn't have the space for. I did spend more days than I probably thought I was going to, but I have no regrets. Everything has a place. Everything is so organised. I know where everything is in my classroom. It is so practical for the space that I use. And if it hasn't, it's been adjusted already. Everything I wanted for my time in stage three so that was one thing the time thing but i will say i don't have a theme in my classroom anymore i used to do that every mm. year I used to do a theme i've kind of carried some things on from my previous one so i'm not reuse i'm reusing i'm trying to improve my my carbon footprint Yeah, and no laminating it's all cardboard it's all reusing and the kids love the classroom, so they have they've said really good things and they've they've made it their own as well with a lot of their artworks and a lot of the stuff that we've been creating. So I, I think I took a lot from that conversation and just thought, okay, maybe I just need to be a bit more conscious of what I'm putting up because sometimes that becomes wallpaper as well. Mm. The kids don't don't see it if you don't yeah. use it.
0: There's two things I want to say about that. The first one was when we went into lockdown and we, my husband sent me a message at recess and said, I think we're going into lockdown. I had no idea on Friday. We then all sat around as staff around the laptop and listened. And if anyone's in Victoria, you know that you can judge the kind of news based on what Dan Andrews comes out wearing. So he came out in a suit. We're like, oh, it's not good because usually, if it's good news, he's much more casual. So, this is, you know, the y- <laughs> months and months of lockdown and watching him come out to do press conferences. You can read. I heard outfit. about that.
1: Yeah. I just didn't get it. I was like, "What's what are all these big people doing? Yes. Talking about? So if he comes out in formal attire, <laughs> you're like,
0: he's going to break some hard oh. truths to us. And he comes, <laughs> comes out like a North Face jacket or like casual clothes. And we're like, it's fine. He's happy. He's, he's he's gonna get on the beers or whatever he says, you know, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Love he came along. We were already prepped. And within getting that notification at lunchtime, there was only th- there was only an hour and a half really less of the day. I had my inbox f- fill up with resources from people. I had people running to the photocopier, scanning. I had people taking, like, microphones and video players and things from school to make sure that they could create their resources on the weekend because we literally went into a trauma response of we don't know if it's five days. Everyone, this is what oh, happened yeah. to the Korean teachers last year and some people, and I say this to you because I think if you need to spend time in your classroom to remove the anxiety for yourself, to make yourself feel comfortable mm. and happy to start the year, I don't think anybody should have any judgment about that. It's when you say, well, I spent five days in my classroom. Why haven't you done that? Well, that's the problem. Yeah. And to be honest, I was actually super anxious. I had a Wi-Fi meltdown one day in the remote learning. I literally had no Wi-Fi for a whole day. I was like hotspotting from my phone. I finally got on my emails that day and I had 45 emails from staff pretty much. With resources which was incredibly generous but so mm. overwhelming because that I would, would have been so overwhelming <laughs> i'm doing all of this stuff what is going on and so this is the hard part the people that were creating those things were doing it with the best of intentions hoping to take work off my plate and also to make themselves feel comfortable and prepared for whatever was coming so i got that but me on the other end going oh my god i haven't checked in for one whole day and these are the emails i'm getting so this is the thing like it's it's such a hard one i would never say don't do that if that's going to make you feel great mm. but then i have to be secure in myself to know that i don't need to you know yeah it's one thing to put out Definitely. the blame to other people but maybe that's what they need to do to feel secure and maybe for me i need to be okay with the fact that i'm not going to do that
1: yeah i think where you're coming from is that we are all on our own paths and we can't really, sometimes we need to put those blinkers on and be like, you know what, this is what's working for me. And Mm -hmm. if that's what you need to do, that's good for you. And Mm -hmm. I think as educators, we can't carbon copy ourselves. We're all different. And that's just, I guess, as a human, we're all different. And that's what I love about the human race. If and that's one thing I did learn as well along the way is be myself and not be mm. someone else. And yeah, you're just going to take what you need. Don't buy into the conversation that's going to hurt you. Like I never announced it to anyone at school. You know, apart from safety, I guess. I you know I told my parents, but I didn't announce that I was going in. It wasn't my own accord. And 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 a couple of days. Mm that I did, there was, like, three or four of us. I'm like, oh, hello, yeah. everyone. Yes. We all seem to be wanting to go in at this time. And we didn't arrange anything. It's what we needed at the time. Yes. It, it was nice. It was nice. It was yeah. impromptu. But same with you. Like, it doesn't mean that you need to respond to those emails. It doesn't mean you need to have that in your teaching. I think everyone just needs to remember that they need to be in their own lane and, and just... You know, put an accelerator and just
0: going towards their own journey. So, yeah, good for you. The, well, look, I it came with acknowledging that I was triggered by it first, Renee. Oh. But the other thing I wanted to ask you was when people come to your page, what are you hoping that they get? from Miss Mountford's moments what are you hoping that (laughs) your audience can take away what is it that you're trying because I mean ultimately you create a classroom and now you've created a community online so what is that community for you what do you want it to be about
1: you know I try I used to think about planning certain posts Mm -hmm. I used to be like okay so I did a bit of a, a colorful one maybe I'll do a just of me. Oh, and then think. I used to think about the grid. the grid. I used to think about the grid. I never thought yeah. about the grid. I
0: had I didn't know what a grid was when I first got on yeah. there. I actually Googled it. Somebody Ooh. made some comment about the grid. No, but you know what? Like,
1: What's the grid? But you know what? Yeah, it's if someone screenshots what it what does it look yeah. like. And I must say, I never really look at it like some people oh my gosh I've seen some pages and it's like immaculate yeah. and I'm like that is not my life I'm sorry I can't put that out there usually I I just go with what am I doing right now what have I been doing in class what's what's real what's re-, like what have I really been doing like today for example today was an amazing day and you know what I said to you yeah I think it was yesterday you checked in to see if it was going to be okay because I was like yep yeah, it's good I've got yeah. district swimming carnival yeah. and I've got the ACG meeting and then I've got, you know, the interview and you're like, is that too much? I'm like, I'm literally energised by all these things because I'm such an extrovert and I love communication and just meeting people and being in a community. I love that if I'm not belonging, I will find a way. Mm-hmm. If not, I find someone that isn't. I will, you know, make I'll make those connections. And I think sometimes, yeah, I just put out what I'm doing and if someone relates to it, great. And if they don't, that's okay. They can just learn my rambles are going to be <laughs> just about some form of thing and they will link sometimes and sometimes they won't. Like I randomly did a live last night and yeah. and I just wanted to talk about something that happened at school regarding some rumours some students spread and hmm. and I just wanted to address that. And so what ended up happening one of my students was kind of having a bit of a conversation in our line before going in after second break, and she kind of said, no, she didn't. And I was like, what's going on, girls? They're like, are you pregnant? And I was like, what? Sorry, where? what's your source? Where, where has this come from? Anyway, ended up... <laughs> I gave them a bit of a blast about you can't comment on a woman's body, you can't mm-hmm. comment on their age. It's just certain things. I Obviously, you don't know about that and you don't understand why and there's complexities about this issue, but probably not the best time to go into it while we're about to do some more learning. So yes. we'll talk about this tomorrow. And I addressed it this afternoon and it ended up being a mishap. Someone said the wrong last name. Um, um, another teacher is pregnant and we all know that. Yeah, yeah She's told people and... Yeah, so I just said, do you know how that's really, I'm, I love these teaching moments. Yes. I was like, this is three people. Now you've come to the fourth source. See how, you know, these, these types of rumours go around. It's so easy. You need to actually get your sources right before you spread anything because now I'm feeling this way and I've had to talk to a whole group of people for no reason because you've started something that you've miscommunicated. And so that was my rant last night. And Mm I, you know, then kind of addressed it again today just because I had so many people and that's what I'm saying about, do I know what people want to see on my pages? I don't know. I just put it out there and so many people responded about that happening to them and about, you know, things that's happening behind closed doors to them in regards to that issue. And, you know, I already had my own insecurities that they were kind of addressing unofficially that they were blind to. and. Even when they, I asked them about it today, they're like, I didn't know. I didn't actually, like, they were all innocent. She was like, I didn't believe because you're skinny. And I was like, no. oh, thank you. I am. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I believe that, but I'm, I am. And they were like, yeah, like, we didn't think it was you. And I was like, "Great girls. Well, you know how this has been misconstrued now," and and I just kind of went on my high horse and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm scared," yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Love my yeah. body no matter what. Curves all, bloating all, whatever. I think yeah. I just post now what feels right and what's yeah. happening at the time, and some people will connect and some won't, and. Yeah, I've kind of stopped looking at the grid. I don't really post quotes unless it really calls to me. But most of it is, yeah, I don't know. What about <laughs> you? Do you? I know you like to do a lot of um your upcoming po- uh, your podcast, and that's yeah. why you know to go go on to so many. I'm like currents <laughs> keys in classroom. I've got engine the edge <laughs> the, enge- the um engineer um engineer ones coming. Obviously, Miss yeah. me out this moment.
0: <laughs> Probably yeah. won't listen to that one. She'll just be rambling. <laughs> no, no. It's You know what? It's really lovely is that we're having such a well-rounded conversation. And that's why I love the conversations because I learned something from everybody that comes on. We don't all see it the same way, even if we're in the same roles. And so yeah. I've always loved that. Nice. And every single conversation I've learned, even something about myself that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, I do think like that. Or I... Maybe I don't think like that and that's why. And so it's really, it's great for me. I mean, I think for me at the moment, I do have a conversation coming up with her name's Shan from Teach and Change the Lives. I think that's her. Yep. Yep. I I know that handle. Yes. Handle. Thank you. That was, was, this is what I mean. I'm like, what's a (laughs) group? And, and she teaches at an autistic school, but she has children as a similar age to me and also started teaching at a similar time to me. And I remember when we first started teaching, there was so much around cyber safety to the point that I would get, we get police officers coming in talking about predatory behaviour, what to look out for. And I remember having a conversation with one of the students about privacy and Instagram wasn't a thing, to be honest. It was Facebook so when I started teaching in 08 and the that's when the iPhone came out. So there was not the whole social media thing has really blown up in my teaching career. And so I said to them about privacy and they went private. None of these 12, between 12 and 16-year-olds had private social media. Yeah. And I was shocked. I was like, what do you mean? How, how do you get your followers? And at that time like, what do you mean? How do you get your followers? Just have your mum and dad on there and your few friends from school. Why would you need lots of followers? And so I didn't get it. And I think that there's still that part of me that still feels like I have to create a clear boundary around my social media because I'm a teacher. My students are on social media. I know, oh, it's a world of sushat. I'm probably saying that really wrong, but Tara on that. She sat she's that's something like that. She's a secondary teacher in, sec, in um, Sydney. She's fantastic in that she posts all the things around legislation. Like this Aww. is what you need to be aware of. Be careful. Like TPT, technically there is something around that yeah New South Wales legislation about getting paid mm. for resources that you create at school because it's technically not your resource. Yeah. So I love her for that and I'm always, so I'm like, what is the legislation around me having a public page? Can my students mm. follow me? Like they don't, but what does that look like? And so for me, Instagram is a really great opportunity for connection and to connect with teachers and to showcase the amazing teachers that are out there. And that's what I try to do. I feel like, as you know, if there's not a real person behind an account, it's very hard to connect. So I try to give a little bit of myself in order to understand who I am, but for me, my page is much more about elevating other educators and having an opportunity to connect with people doing amazing things in education. That's what I want to put out there as best I can.
1: Yeah, and I definitely think you're doing that. Oh, and thank you. So. You're doing
0: really awesome. That's why I'm like, oh, can I talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I loved
1: that <laughs> yeah no you're doing awesome and I love that this is another podcast that I I love all the education ones coming up but I, I definitely enjoy listening to yours because of your background as well being high school and English you have a different lens that mm. then our primary school lens may give and mm. a deeper one because obviously you're you're you're, you're teaching teenagers which I honestly don't know how you do because I can't connect with teenagers. I'm not cool. I'm cool to primary kids only. I've tried it. (laughs) I've tried it. I did some gifted and talented program at my uni and I was taking a different couple of classes. I was volunteering for whoever was presenting and I was taking this 3D printing one and there was at one day it was um, primary and then the next was high school mm-hmm. or vice versa and I was working with them all and and then when it came to like lunchtime all the high school ones like didn't want to talk to me and like really? but just didn't engage with conversation it was really weird and then the prime ones all want to sit with like sit with me when they have lunch and just chat and I'm like yeah this is a vibe i'm loving the primary kids and i just felt like that i don't know if it was like too similar like they thought i was too similar age or, yeah. or i yeah just didn't find connections to their world or it's a communication breakdown i don't know but yeah i hats off to you i just i i can't do high school you yeah really are one or the other yeah it's funny that you are Else is the same. She's history. She's like ill primary. Who is that? Sorry, El from teaching in oh, yeah, school. Yeah. She she can't stand primary. I'm like you're a weirdo. <laughs> nah. <not laughs> well, not. you
0: know what? I will tell you this story that happened to me today in secondary, and I feel like you'll enjoy it. So I have this boy who he doesn't enjoy school. He's made it very clear to me that he feels as though much of the VCE curriculum he's in year twelve is irrelevant. We're doing creative writing at the moment. He's like, I don't want to do creative writing. Why are you making me do this? I have no interest in being creative writer. And he also talks about maths, about how there's not enough about financial literacy, he feels, as though that VCA curriculum doesn't support enough around, yeah, like budgets and running a business and stock markets and mortgages and compound interest and all of that. And I'm like, it's a fair point. I get it. And I am trying to get, you know, if you haven't listened to Dr. Mary Hemphill, who's just like the most beautiful advocate for education, but her partner is like a financial genius in America and so I'm like, I'm going to get you on. We're going to have a chat about how maybe we could talk about some of these big things that the kids feel are real gaps in their knowledge. And so I asked him to write some questions for me and he did. Anyway, today we're talking about creative writing. I was chatting to his friend and he just made this snide comment about how school sucks. And it was kind of one of those, he knew I could hear it, but made it like it was under his breath. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I said to him, mate, you are doing this to me deliberately. You make these little like side comments to me. I appreciate that you find that there are flaws in the system. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's not the case because I'd be lying to you. Of course there are. There There is curriculum that is mandated from a government body that I have very little control over. I get that. But I feel as though you're just taking advantage of the fact that I talk to you and then you just have more underhanded comments. And I said, do you do this with anybody else, any other teachers? And his mate sat next to him and he said, you never do this to anybody else. You only do this to to me. And his friend said, but I think it's because you allow for a conversation. You allow us to be heard. You allow for, you know, the pros and the cons. You don't just shut it down. You allow for, yeah, a, a conversation to be steered in some way I mean, that's the English partner p- part of me anyway. That's the natural thing for me to do where he said a lot of teachers get defensive about their role and don't say that, you know. And I said, look, I'm not the system. I'm If you said I suck, that's a different story. That's not okay. But I can understand how there are issues for you in education. And it boiled down to this boy not knowing what he wants to do. He doesn't know what he wants to do. And he said, and everyone's gearing up to university and to find a university place. And I really don't know what I want to do. And it's so hard to be motivated when I don't know what part of the curriculum is going to be relevant to me. I just know what I'm not interested in, but maybe I need to do it. And it's really confusing. And his mate said, well, I don't know what I want to do either. And he's really, really motivated. I said, what is it that makes you motivated then if you don't know where you're headed? And he said, because I know education is an opportunity and I have this really beautiful opportunity in front of me to have a taste of different things to get to know different people to understand different learning styles and even if I don't use all of it the experience will give me a wealth of opportunity that I can take with me further and I was like I don't need to say anything you've said everything you are you 17 year old boy yes and that's what I love about high school
1: yeah those epiphany moments I would say yeah stage three has those wow it's nice that he knows what he doesn't want to do. But I think sometimes what you just said I relate to. Like, I don't know if I feed into the conversation, but I do feel like some of my students in the past, where I've seen other teachers shut things down, I kind of give it a bit of airspace to kind of be like, "So why? Like, tell me a bit more about why you think like that." And I find it kind of just deepens our relationship in the classroom. So then they kind of like, "Oh yeah, I feel." Like I, that person listens to me. And, yeah, it's nice that you don't, I, yeah, I don't always shut things down. There's certain times, definitely. Of course. Yeah, you kind of put things into perspective. It's like, oh, that's why that kid sometimes. Lo- they also love banter. Kids love banter. And you give them, you know, a bit of that and they like it, but then it gets a bit heated and you're like, Oh, boundaries again. <laughs> Got no boundaries.
0: But, again, I would say that that comes from, a place of feeling like I wasn't necessarily understood at primary mm. school or seen, and so I always make a big effort to see mm. my students. Like they do need to know where the boundary is, hundred percent. And that's why I said to him, "Like you keep making these comments to me. Do you say this to other teachers? Like what is going on here?" So I was pulling him up on it, but at the same time, there was something deeper behind that comment that I mm. wanted to know.
1: Yeah, massively. Sorry,
0: I just you got you've said it all.
1: I'm like, yeah, I. <laughs> You're questioning yep. again. I'm like, yeah, I believe you. I, I'm, I'm here, Laura. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, girl. <laughs>
0: Talk to me what about what you believe the role of a teacher to be, oh, Renee? What is the role gosh, of a teacher? So many hats, so much juggling. The crux
1: of it, though, I just want to make sure that they uh loved that they have a safe space but you know like we said before they can't I can't teach them until their well-being has been addressed and not all the time but yeah I think we can be very I think in my past I've been very reactive and not responsive and there's massive difference between okay. that but yeah I just feel like there's there's so much more to us now than just teaching the subjects It's a lot of the moral teaching and the values and the, yeah, I think also last year the world also Mm. knows they put too much on teachers and they expect so much Mm -hmm. and then they can, you know, can slander our career until they actually have their children at home and they can't look after two of them. And we have a class of how Mm many Um, and we still do it with great ease sometimes difficulty, but mm. but I, I wouldn't change it for the world. That was one of the things that I loved about teaching is I could do my creative arts. I can create costumes, which I was originally doing, fashion design. I can play whatever sport and look like an absolute legend because I'm like 20 years older than them and have all the skills and I can be the best <laughs> Oz tagger in the class because yeah I love yeah. to get amongst it and I think I like to show that to the kids that you've got to get gritty and yeah there's just so many things where I just I can be so many personalities of myself in my teaching and I just think we are so lucky to have those so many roles. Well, at least I see that in what I bring to primary. You know, everyone can be different and everyone has their things, but I feel like I always loved primary education and I feel like,
0: Mm.
1: yeah, it's so much more when you get to be who you want to be. Like I could still have blonde hair and still do all my kappa stuff, but it's not as fun if you're not your true self.
0: So tell me about the blue and now peach hair, how was that received at school? How was that received by your students? Because some schools, I would say, would have big issues if their students turned up with peach or blue hair. (laughs) So how does that work? Because for you, that that seems to be a real authentic expression of yourself. So how does that fit with the authoritative part of school? Yeah, I've had a couple of students have their hair dyed a a crazy
1: colour, mainly blue. I... Like to talk to them about being themselves, whatever her color that is. Mind you, I'm in a public school, so it is okay. But I always say to them, okay. you need to remember that there is some people you need to speak to. So I always made sure I I spoke to my principal. I even told him about my change of peach hair, and he nearly gave it away to the staff. And I was like, No, I told you. I'm letting you know because I went blue, and <laughs> I told you about blue. Please don't reveal my hair colour when I just want everyone to just, yeah. So one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to Peach, well, I knew I wanted to go new colour, new year. I wanted a new vibe only because I actually felt so comfortable being blue. I was like, I'm in my comfort zone again. Mm-hmm. And I'm so comfortable being here mm-hmm. and I don't like to be in my comfort zone for long. I like to be in my stretch zone. I don't know when mm-hmm. I decided that. I think it was like high school. Where I was like, ooh, I like to feel a bit. Like I'm challenged, my, challenging myself. But yeah, the the blue was mainly, mm. honestly, being an indecisive person. I'd like to be very ana- analytic, analytical. Oh gosh, analytical, and I like to have many reasons why I do things. Okay, but mainly it was that I wanted yep. to increase participation in sport at my school, and I knew that one way i was going to do that is through representing my house and be like please go win uh. and it always gets a roll up with the kids and so it was an easy transition because i saw a few you know other people that are celebrities they had different color hair lady gaga is one of my biggest idols and she, and she had rocked blue hair and she just looked incredible and anyway i just thought i think this is just a no-brainer we'll see how long it goes and it just happened to me for two years And it's been a beautiful journey. And I think since being on the magazine, it was a big deal. I only talked to a couple of people about my thoughts of changing a different hair colour. Because I was the cover girl and I was blue, it was like this was my identity. People knew me as the blue hair teacher. And I was like, I'm not always going to be this. And I'm like, I don't know if I kind of shot myself in the foot with that identity. I don't know. Um, that's why I never changed my handle because I'm still, last name still Mountford, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, no matter what hair colour, I'm still going to be me and I'm still going to be authentic. And I think my fashion stuff as well, I, I would see my clothes and be like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of peach and I'm kind of forecasting a lot of peach is happening in the fashion design world and it's really coming up. And I was yeah. like, oh, this could be like a fresh new colour. And randomly, randomly, I had this mop that was on my dad's boat, and it was literally this color. And I was like, oh, and I literally put it on once, and I was like, oh, what does this look like? And I was just being a complete idiot. I hope that you have a picture of you wearing that mop. I do. I do. You must I'll post I'll, that, I'll post Renee. It. Yes, I'll post and be like, oh, before it became <laughs> real. Yeah. It was hilarious. In and direction. I was like, I actually don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it first started. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to go peach. And, like, he doesn't love a peach. There's so many cool puns. Peachy keen. Yeah. You know, just peachy. Everyone's happy. You know, it's just such a happy colour. And I always talk about the colour wheel to my kids because they have no knowledge of colour. Mm-hmm. And I go, what's blue opposite the colour wheel? And they have no idea. It's like an orangey color. It's pretty much this. Yeah. So I even got them. It's like nearer in our wet room. I had even stuff on the wall. It's like all the color theory up there. And they didn't even know about it. I was like, right, go to the wet room, look at the color theory. And they're like, the what? And the where? So they (laughs) learned real quickly. And a couple of them kept on saying, your hair's red. I'm like, you've got basic color knowledge. It's not red. And I put like a red container literally two days ago. My boys, I was so frustrated with them. I was like, I'm not red. And I put the red container next to my head. And they're like, oh, I said, is it red? And they were (laughs) like, no, I'm like, you're basic. (laughs) They're like, basic color knowledge. I said, you come to me with a color tone. And this is not, this is not red, guys. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. They, we got all heated. And then I was like, all right, let's go read.
0: (laughs) No, I I think we went out for fitness after that. I think we need a fitness running. (laughs) You know what I love about that, though, is that idea of being scared to change your hair colour because of what identified you from other people. Yeah, And I think I've had so many conversations with people about, especially at high school, because I think that's the time that you start to fit a box. Are you Mm. the hardy kid? Are you the sporty kid? Are you the kid that wags school? Are you the kid that has all the stationery? Like you start to really find a niche for yourself. And I think that by saying to your class, I can redefine myself at any time. Just because I'm known as teacher doesn't mean I have to be that for you. And my vibe's changing. I'm completely on a different playing field right now. And I'm just going to create an identity that makes sense to me. You'll get on board when you're ready. But I'm really happy with this. And I think that's a huge teaching moment.
1: Yeah, you know what? Some people were really holding back. They were like, oh, I don't know. I think you should have blue. And I was like, what is this really about? Like. And I think I like put this on a, a story. I was like, I'm just like a phoenix rising from the ashes. I don't even know. I think Serena from the right classroom was just like, ah, yeah. Because I don't know. I was just talking smack, but anyway. And I was just like, I can evolve anytime Absolutely. I want, and I don't feel like, I don't feel like a certain hair color will define my being. And you know, now people are like what color next, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll do it on my own time and I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I'll just do it as it flows, as it, it it feels right. And at the moment, this is what I'm going with. I'd never really said to myself, I'm going to be blue for two years. I never said that. I never knew what blue I was going to be when I got to the hairdressers. Yeah, And my hairdresser, hats off to her. I would, I gave her crazy stuff all <laughs> the time and she'd be like, cool, let's do it. But she was always like, all right, let's go. And so it's really nice that I have people around me that kind of just believe my vision yeah there's a a lovely line and people don't know your mission if they don't know your vision so they can't make judgment if they don't know what you're doing and that's not for everyone to know
0: yeah I think it's a really beautiful very visual teaching moment I really like it yeah yeah what thing? are some of the biggest lessons that you have ever learned in life, Renee? Oh, well, pretty much that. Being true to myself, and I know
1: you're going to love this, Laura. I've been listening to the audiobook of Glennon Doyle, Untamed. I love her so much. I know you love Glennon too. I've been listening. (laughs) And she talks about... I listened to this chapter the other day because I love listening to podcasts or audiobooks on my yeah. drive to school and back and this particular part it was just about disappoint anyone but yourself. Yeah. If you disappoint yourself, you need to rectify that or you've done wrong by yourself. Pretty much you're the one who lives in your skin, who you're with, who you'll be with for forever. If you're not happy with what you you are inside and out, that's where you need to start. It's, you know, the whole love yourself before you love someone else. Mm. I did so much of that. It's been a very long journey and that's, you know, why I use the analogy of, you know, this is the last thing you see. People are always wondering about my hair. It's like, well, I've done a lot, a lot of soul searching, a lot of growing and being comfortable in my skin and it's taken forever, but it, I wouldn't change that journey for the world. And it wouldn't Mm. change how I've done it ever. Mm. And I'm just happy that I can be true to me. And yeah, I think that's one of my biggest life lessons is you probably would understand this. In high school, I was so influenced by social media. Well, not even social media, shows, TV shows and things like that, that I wanted to be popular. And I thought that was the right thing to be and not be me. And that if I wasn't someone... Or the same as my clique, I didn't fit in, I didn't Mm -hmm. belong and it wasn't actually until I reckon maybe year 12 where I started to kind of peel away from some of the people that were not making me be authentic or feel good in myself is when I kind of start to go, okay, I'm actually really happy with where I am in my life. I may not be with XYZ or doing that or doing that subject like my other friends are doing. I'm just being, I'm, I'm making myself happy. And I made that a priority pretty much in my, as you would say, formative 10 yeah. years, and I've continued that journey, and I couldn't be proud of myself. And I think sometimes people need to just stop and just you know, pat themselves on the back and go, you know, I'm proud of you. And like I wrote a little post today saying, childhood Renee would have been really proud of me today, just because just what I'm doing now as a human, as a t- as a teacher, I'm just in a really great place. And you know, I think I'm
0: only you can really put yourself there as well it's really interesting when I asked you at the very start about what kind of student were you you talked about yourself in the third person as a student and you've just done it again about little Renee it's that idea of that child is almost removed from the human that you are now and you can look back on that child and have real compassion for them whether you are now and what you've learned now you're like I wish I could have given you these things when you were little but all I can do is offer you compassion knowing that you did the best that you could at the time and that yeah. look how good I've turned out. You know, it's yeah. like it's gonna be okay. Well, well, the thing today was more like I get to be in
1: a district carnival being the timekeeper. That was more that. Yeah. That was really exciting because I know in my primary school days I was loving being in any carnival. So I thought that was like would be a really cool moment. But also what you're saying is, yeah, like you're okay, like I'm I'm okay. Yeah, and it's just nice to just I could think
0: just think back
1: of, of yourself your past self and be like you know you're in the right place this is where you need to be
0: yeah what are some of the big hopes that you have for education moving into the future oh well I have lots of great hope maybe touching back and
1: circling back to indigenous education yeah that has been a massive forever process and I feel like we're heading in the right direction I have a lot of hope that we will be a more inclusive country maybe not as much as maybe the leadership, but more so the education circumstance. Like today I went to the ACG meeting. So the Aboriginal Education Consultative Incorporation. So it's working with the Aboriginal communities, with schools, partnership together, just aligning that we are doing right by the community and the elders for our Indigenous children and and education because it's that's not how they used to learn and then that's not always the way that's going to be and I think my hope is that my students whoever I teach and for forever in Australia and beyond I hope you know who are Indigenous children that they will get the education they need and that it's responsive to their needs And we just need to keep going on that path because it's such a beautiful journey and there's so many special elements that, you know, even just being on country, what it does to someone's body, just the way that people connect, it's the compassion, it's just respect is underpinned in my class too. And I feel like there's so many things that, yeah, so many attributes that are great that I think we're getting better at in the classroom. And even my mm. the colleagues I work with are being more open and building their confidence because it, you know, there was a breakdown for a while, I think, that no one felt confident to teach indigenous perspectives. No. And I mm. think there still is. And I'm just really blessed. And, you know, you know, shout out to Macker and Stevie and all, you know, Uncle Max and all the aunties that I've met along the way from my uni, they they really taught me what respect was. And I was not at the start. I was very ignorant and I learned so many hard lessons and I wouldn't have it any other way. But I think those lessons have helped me transfer that into my class, into my teaching and and passing that knowledge on to my staff as well. I think there's a lot of hope there. I just think we need to do a lot of work and just be vulnerable and willing to learn and own our mistakes and make them because I think people are learning that it's okay but if you don't do anything about it that's more of a mistake mm. by not you know trying yeah i don't know what you're doing you know, like if you do that at school as well but i know there would be a lot of people if you don't have maybe the the knowledge or the training that i've been given will have been so lucky to have and be open to people are feeling a bit unsure how where to go or Who to contact or what to do, really.
0: Absolutely. And to be honest, Instagram has been huge for me. On the 26th of January, I just sat back and watched and listened. And that was a huge day for me as an Australian who, to be perfectly honest, hasn't really considered it that much to just sit back and watch and listen to what other people had to say. It wasn't about me on that day. And I think that mm. the beautiful thing about that day was on Instagram at least the advocacy for many of the really important voices out there that then allowed me to follow so many different people to get different perspectives as I said I'm now trying to get somebody on the podcast to have a conversation that I that I found through yeah. that day and what was what was coming up and
1: awesome.
0: I, I mean, ultimately, the Black Lives Matter Black Squares, that's where it kind of started. Where let's vacate the stage for a little bit. Yep.
1: Share the mic was a big thing for me
0: as yeah. well. I,
1: you know, still wanted to kind of take part, and that was going to happen. But, you know, sometimes life gets in the way of, of people, and that's okay. But that was such a big thing. I just so much enjoyed that. I followed, I still follow so many people's journeys through yeah. that. Even podcasts that, you know, I've been really enjoying when they do lives as well. And even some of the contemporary Indigenous artists I've really have enjoyed that part of Instagram as well. Gosh, it's been it's been a big couple of years that I've seen so many awesome accounts, like you were saying. And, you know, I'm always just so open and just love reading any of their posts and just watching that stuff because sometimes that's great PD too, just there because it's coming from them. It's not from us. Yeah.
0: I think that the hard part sometimes is having a mirror held up to you and knowing that something that is now said is perhaps something you've done in your past or said in your past or thought in your past. And I think you can either hold the shame of that or you can let that be in the past and step forward and realise that, okay, I'm not going to make that same mistake again or I'm going to step in the direction. And, look, to be honest, again, it comes with maturity that I, at one stage, probably would have been too embarrassed to say that I didn't know and that I was ignorant. And just not say anything because that's more comfortable. But I think 2020, if I got anything out of 2020, it was that growth comes from discomfort.
1: Yes. I read a book last year and it was called um, Confidence is Uncomfortable. And there's a massive line in that. And it's be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And And we don't like do we? we? don't like you might
0: like it, Renee. Oh, you seem I, love like it. A, I love it.
1: I love it. I know. I like I'm, being a bit wriggly. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm such an um, introvert. Well, there you go. For me. <laughs> oh, I am such But that girl's really, like,
1: I don't know. And then they're like, Oh, thank God, because we didn't know either. And
0: I'm like, Oh, be that silly one. That was me at uni. I don't know, guys. Is anyone <laughs> that's, else? <laughs> that's what you need to have. You you need to have yeah. those people who who kind of break the silence, break the shame, break the discomfort to say, okay, we are actually all in this same place. If we want to get there, what's the process? Because we can either sit mm. here and be uncomfortable and say nothing or we can actually get to the place that we want to go. And I think, I just think that 2020 did as much, I don't want to leave it again. <laughs> I really don't. Oh, as a mom, no. but, but so many silver linings. Like yeah. To come out of that time, I think. Yeah, 100%. I remember listening to your One with Teacher podcast, and I want to end it on this as maybe, uh, I don't know if you've come to any kind of realization, but in your first, you're in your fourth year now, aren't you, teaching?
1: Yes, I am. Good listening.
0: So, I remember in your conversation, you talked about how much you were doing in those first couple oh. of years all the extracurricular things and I could hear Kerry saying so how was that going for your (laughs) well-being I've spoken about this before I remember I was doing production I was assistant science coordinator I had two year 12 classes I had five different classes I was teaching I never had a double up and I got to my fifth year I'm sure and I was reading off a powerpoint and I hate doing that And I remember looking at the kids saying, does this make any sense? Am I making sense to you? And they said, no, yeah, no, you're okay. And I said, I'm so tired and I'm so sorry. I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job. And that year I went into my AP and said, I've got to, I can't do this again. I have to change my year. My year has to be different because I was just doing too much. And I realized that I wasn't doing a good job at any of it. And I'm wondering if you had that realization, if you're able to juggle it better, what has fourth year looked like for you? Because it seemed like a big couple of years. I honestly didn't even know how I
1: did it. I I think about my first year and I was like, whoa, I did so much. And I was so naive to, I just wanted to do it all as um, you would have heard. So we've done the roles and responsibilities. And even with you know, COVID last year, I hardly did anything and it was so lovely, but I, obviously it was a different type because COVID had its own extremities and complexities. Mm-hmm. And I was very responsive for my class. That was my main takeaway was be present for my own class, not all the extracurricular stuff that was filling it up. Yeah. But I didn't really have my well being as a priority last year. Mm. This year, I am so focused on my physical pillar. Kerry, I don't know, you've, I'm sure you've heard about it. She has this beautiful well being club, and I'm a massive advocate for it because I talk about well being with my kids. But if yeah. I don't implement it myself, I'm not. Practicing what I preach, and I like to preach what I practice now. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, I'm—I have drunk so much water today. I usually don't in the past. Past me may have none of, but just certain things like that. I'm more conscious on my night routine. I Mm -hmm. know what time I need to go to bed for a certain amount of hours. I I have the cutest little bento box cuz i love just filling it filling it with all these different types of colors of the vegetables and fruits and i have a very healthy lunch and dinner well not maybe so dinner but definitely um sorry yeah. breakfast is I have a well-being wall. I've never done that before. It's just like all these things that I want to do to make sure I'm looking after my body. And there's definitely still things I need to get better at. But I will say I haven't taken on as much at all mm-hmm. this year in saying that. Kappa stuff's still coming up. And I haven't. I've got a team now. And I think the last Any time I talked to someone. What
0: Kappa stands for? Yes, oh, you sorry. When I Creative. Kappa? I think if there was like a clothing brand called Kappa, K-A-P-P-A or something. Oh, yes. Yeah, so That's maybe true. it's
1: actually supposed to be pronounced Kappa because, yeah, if I teach my kids, if it's one P, what it makes Kappa? the A sound. But it's um Creative Arts Performing Arts. I okay. didn't come up with an acronym. It was kind of thrown around when I was in my third year of prac and I was okay. like, oh, I really like that because it kind of encapsulated different types of what they did was they did rotations of kappa groups so they all did did a type of either performing arts music um Mm. visual arts drama they did some form of workshop and I thought that was really cool because it I love a good acronym and it also made you think of the four of them because I know so many schools in the past as well and I know in my primary school they were definitely guilty of it visual arts used to be the main thing yeah drama hardly did it and everyone was embarrassed to do it so by year 7 everyone didn't really want to do it because they didn't know mm. how to do it and they weren't comfortable dance was also something that hasn't been done well in primary school when I was my age you know he he'll mm. tell you polka what is that no do <laughs> they know what movements and they know rhythm do you know how to you know that could go on forever about dance yeah and you know musical instruments also is something that, oh, I had so much fun last year. We had this awesome man to come in and we he would do all different types of instruments per week for eight weeks and then I – asked to borrow them for our you know end of year performance and we well I changed the lyrics to you're welcome it was about our school about being brave mm-hmm. and yeah the lyrics were just like so cool it was who survived through learning from home yes yeah. it was us kids and it was just like no. oh so cool and and we just I, it was just amazing the kids were like so involved and they were singing and drumming and those marimbas and it was just ah. Oh. So I just, I love having an opportunity to talk about Kappa and where I can put it in, I will. But I know sometimes it's not something people focus on if they don't have, yeah. So I'm also, yeah, imparting that. And I think last time I talked to someone about how I'm, figuring out that I don't share well with Kappa and and maybe okay. I'm not the best with explaining it or it's not like I don't share it's you would understand this Laura being a dancer yourself and a choreographer background it's really hard to show someone what you've got in your what your vision is yeah. and yeah. then share that choreography moment and you're like oh yeah. no that's not what I meant
0: yeah it's like can I
1: just so do that's it? that <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, um, yeah, that's good, but I actually meant this. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, oh, you might as well just choreograph it, right? <laughs> but so that's probably where I'm still going to be needing to check myself and be like, this is a collaborative moment, Renee. If someone does something, then you do this part, then you do that. So, you know, I will be not, I'll be doing cap I'm not doing... All the sports that I was doing in my previous years, principals doing some of it as well as other teachers, and I'm just looking after my class, my class and Kappa. Um, I am on a team like everyone's on a team, and that's mm-hmm. that's fair enough, and that is um, quality teaching rounds. Yeah. So, something that I'm quite familiar with anyway because, you know, if you're going to observe, well, we've done four years of observations being at uni and also another thing that I love to do in school as well and that's, you know, based on our values of our schools, I always like to, you know, talk about those and one of them is bravery and I love to be the advocate for bravery and, and demonstrate that as often as I can and hence probably why I do a lot of this stuff is and bravery actually colour-coded all the values and bravery was blue. So at a lot of the time I was like, what, what? I'd point to my hair and be like, what learner value are we this week, guys? And they're like, blue. So I kind of don't know how I'm going to do that anymore. I do have wigs, though, for any carnival. I bought three different blue wigs. So I'm ready to go for any other carnival. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in, in in summary, in a long-winded <laughs> summary, I am looking
0: after me as a human first, right. teacher second now. But, again, it sounds like the things that you're putting your hand out for are the things that really fill up your cup. Do you know what I mean? The things that yes. really make you and want to be part of school. and It feels you know, natural and easy. Yeah, so I yeah. think that that's the difference rather than taking everything on that maybe has a logistical element that is hard work for you. You're taking on the mm. things that are exciting and that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I would love to say we knew this would be a long one, Renee, and it has oh. not disappointed <laughs> I would like Sorry, to say thank guys. Couple so of much <laughs> for being here. No, thank you. It's been so lovely. It's been so much fun. Yeah, and to chat to you in real time, which is really sweet. I, I always love that because I see, you know, the kind of fourth wall being broken after all those stories that I watch. <laughs>
1: oh gosh i know i'm a little bit of a, a silly silly person but i'm i'm glad that it's, i'm not all crazy i'm um nice to speak to another and meet another uh, you know teacher gram fellow fellow friend
0: yeah thank you so much renee no thank you thanks laura